Thank you for tuning into this week's message. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about your life change. So if you have a story about how God has made a move in your life or impacted your life in any way, send an email to amen at findvelocity.org. We hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Now let's lean in and enjoy the message. We are in week three of our series, This Is a Move. And if you missed it, I said the first week of this series how this isn't just a series, it's really a reality. It's a reality because this is the mission of our church. We exist to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. And I see somebody who's giving me, I forgot to take this off, so sorry, you're just gonna have to deal with this uh, mask. It looks like I'm wearing a bib, but you're gonna have to deal with it while I'm, while I'm preaching today. I'm not taking it off now. But um, this is a reality because not only is it the mission, but and, and also in method, by this time next year, we are going to be in our own facility. Isn't that awesome? We look forward to that, and it's coming sooner than you think. And some of you think, like, man, why do you even need a building? We're not gathering in buildings yet. Well, have you ever tried to do a live stream service in a portable environment? Let me tell you, it's not as easy as we make it look. And uh, I want to just say thank you to all of our teams that get here so early and uh, make this happen. Uh, you know, what I love about our church is it's not based and built off the talents of a few people, but the sacrifices of a lot of people. And I just want you to know from your pastor, I see what you do. I appreciate what you do. Thank you for changing lives and moving the mission forward. It really makes a difference. In fact, just this week, uh, I got a text message of how this ministry has literally saved somebody's life. And I got a phone call this week about how this ministry has saved somebody's future and saved their marriage. And you heard about our outreach things we're doing every week. There's life change happening. And that's what you get to be a part of through your giving, through your serving, through your prayer, and through your partnership in this ministry. So thank you. Whether you're watching at home or here, it matters. It makes a difference. And that's what we get to be a part of, God's great church, moving the mission forward I'm not asking you to, to join a church when I preach. I'm asking you to join a movement of bringing those far from God near to life in Christ. That's why this is a move. But today, I want to preach to you from the Word of God, and I hope you're ready. If you're ready, you can just say, I'm ready. You can put it in the chat. I'm ready. And uh, I, I told the, the 9 a.m. service, I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to preach to whatever one is louder. So if you're louder in the chat, I'm going to be looking at the camera if you're louder in the seats, I'm going to be looking at you. I promise I won't come too close to you. I'll just, I'll just stay at a safe distance. But uh, if you're with me, I, I need you to engage with me, and we're going to have some fun. I want to read to you uh, scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to encourage you to, to find your way there in your Bible, on your phone, whatever it is that, that you're uh, engaged in God's word with. And I always encourage you to bring your Bible to church with you. I don't want you to think that I'm just making this up. You got to check it out for yourself. You got to see where things are at. If you have one of those Bibles with leather and pages, it's even great to highlight some stuff so you can go back and find it later. You can write it in there and make some notes. It's great. That's, that's what I do. Of course, I, I read uh, on my iPad and on my phone a lot too. So if you're doing that, it's not second rate. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, while you're finding your way there, what you need to know is, is Paul's writing to one of his favorite churches. And I know you probably take just a little bit of offense that Paul, a pastor, would have a favorite, um, but don't get mad at me, take it up with Paul, all right? But I mean, the truth is we all have favorites, right? Jesus had, had favorites. 
Um, you, I'm sure, have favorites. I'm sure Marissa is your favorite preacher. She did a great job last week. Um, yeah, so you've got favorites. I've got favorites. Paul had favorites. Your parents have favorites. And if you don't know who your parents' favorite is, it's not you, all right? So sorry to, to break that news to you. Uh, but even though this church was, was part of Paul's, uh, was one of Paul's favorites, his relationship with this church has not been easy. The, the last time he had visited the Corinthian church, it was an extremely painful visit for him. We don't know all the details, but uh, there was a divide in the church, and people started coming against him. He ended up leaving. When he left, uh, he didn't have just an easy time in ministry. Uh, while people begin to criticize his ministry while he's away, he hears that the church is not defending him. They're not supporting him in his mission's work. That They're not standing up for him. He's very heartbroken over this. And to make matters worse, when he finally does get word about what's happening in the Corinthian church, he discovers that there's been some false teachers that have come in and they're, they're drawing the Corinthian church away from the great gospel message that Paul originally preached to them. So when he's writing this letter, 2 Corinthians, he's writing to them to bring some clarity about this gospel message that they've received and explain why despite all the difficulties that he's encountered and experienced personally, he doesn't lose heart. He's not discouraged. He's not upset. His trust is in God. And so where we're going to jump in is in verse 12, and I'm going to read about six verses and We'll get into the context of this a little bit. But if you found it, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, We speak without fear because our trust is in Christ. I want to stop before I read on just a moment and just ask you, how are you speaking? Paul says we speak without fear. Uh, just, just stop for a moment. What's been the content of your conversation this past week? I wonder, has it been laced with anxiety? Is it, is it filled with fret about the future? Or have you been worried about how things are going to play out? Paul says, hey, we don't speak with fear because our trust is in Christ. Our, our trust is not in a vaccine. I mean, that's great. We look forward to that. It's going to be awesome. That's not where our trust is at. Our trust is not in some kind of economic recovery plan. Be great. Whatever we got happening, that, that's awesome. But that's not where our trust is. Our trust is not in an election coming up, definitely not. That's not where our trust is at. Our trust is in Christ. And when your trust is in Christ, it changes how you speak. Can I just tell you that boldly? If your trust is in Christ, you'll know it based off the words coming out of your mouth. So he says, we speak without fear because our trust is in Christ. And then verse 13 says, we're not like Moses. Now just remember that, underline it, you know, make a note, because we're going to come back to that. He says, he put a covering over his face so the Jews would not see that the bright light was passing away. Their minds were not able to understand, even to this day when the law is read, because there's a covering over their minds. They do not see that Christ is the only one who can take the covering away. Yes, to this day, there's a covering over their hearts whenever the law of Moses is read. But whenever a man turns to the Lord, the covering is taken away. The heart is free where the spirit of the Lord is. The Lord is the spirit. All of us with no covering on our faces show the shining greatness of the Lord as in a mirror. And all the time we're being changed to look like him 
with more and more of his shining greatness. This change is from the Lord, whose spirit. In other words, what Paul is trying to show the Corinthian church is that there's been a change, that there's been a shift. When you accept Christ, a change happens, and it's not a one and done. It is an ongoing transformation. Day by day, you're being transformed more into his likeness. He's saying this is a move. And even though I love this translation that I read to you, I've read to you from the New Life version, I learned this particular passage, and specifically verse 18 in the New King James Version. You understand the Bible, when it was originally written, was written in Hebrew and Greek. And when it was translated to English, there, there's different translations. And sometimes people ask, well, what's the best translation of the Bible? Well, the best one is the one that you read. So, so whatever one you read and whatever one you understand, that's the best one. But um, I read from a lot of different translations. But when I, I was in uh, studying the Bible in school, I, I've read a lot from the New King James Version. And that's what I learned this one. And I want to read it to you because I, I like how it says. It says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So I'm calling this message today in our third installment of This is a Move, if you're taking notes, from glory to glory, using this as the basis of my message and God, I ask that you would breathe on this word today. I believe it is a now word for people. And if you agree with that, you can say amen. If you're in the chat, you can say amen, and we'll get into this. I'm curious, have, uh, have you ever met somebody who is just so excited about a subject that they cannot stop talking about it? Have you met, just show me hands. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, anybody keto here? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody CrossFit, right? Um, don't worry, I'm not coming after your essential oils today. I know they're awesome. But um, have you ever just met somebody who is like so into something, it's like it's on every conversation. Like there's an oil for that, right? I, 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 don't, don't worry, I'm not taking up keto or any of those things. But but, but there's this new craze. I don't know if you've encountered this or not, but it is on the lips of every person at my house. And um, this, this craze is Jojo Siwa. Um, so maybe, maybe some of you in the chat, you, you, you've encountered this demon. Um, if you don't know what Jojo Siwa is, just first of all, consider yourself blessed, all right? But, but jo, Jojo Siwa... You got to think, she's like this YouTube personality. She's like the Taylor Swift for five-year-old girls, um, yeah, boys too. I mean, just, she's, she's like this just crazy, you know, singer, dancer, person. And um, she's taken over my house. I mean, she, she's got, uh, you know, sparkly sequins and giant bows and, uh, and glitter. There's tons of glitter and rainbows and all just... She, she, she's, it's a little nauseating, I just got to tell you. And uh, you might think, well, what's the big idea? Well, I, I can handle like a little bit of, of Jojo Siwa, you know, like watch it on YouTube, maybe some catchy songs. But when it starts influencing every moment 
of every day of my daughter, who's four years old, I begin to become a little concerned. I'll give you an example. You see, you can put the picture on the screen. Uh, see what she has her own clothing line. She, she has her own outfits, her own merchandise. And um, so, so there's my daughter. Uh, she, she's got, the, she's got the, the duck lips and uh, the sparkly shoes and the giant bow. And you might be thinking, like, well, I get it, right? Like, she's, she's got the outfit on. You know, she's, she's got to strike the pose. Well, yeah, it's, it's fine if she's got the outfit. But can you just explain to me, why does she need to strike a JoJo pose while she's climbing a tree. That, that, that's what I want to know, right? <laughs> like, like, that doesn't make sense. And I just brought two pictures, but I could show you JoJo eating cereal. I, I could show you JoJo getting ready for church. I could show you JoJo going to bed. It is JoJo Siwa 24-7 at my house. YouTube, songs, dances, the, the whole thing all the time because my daughter, she's transfixed. She, she's She's got a problem. Let's pray for her. Put your hands towards the screen, please. And you might think, well, well, what does this have to do with our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3? Well, let me tell you. When, when I read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, what I discover is that Paul is transfixed, but not on glitter, on glory, uh, on glory. You saw in just that verse 18 I read from the New King James Version, three times in one verse, he mentions this word glory. In fact, when you look at the original Greek of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you see 14 times in 10 verses, he mentions this word glory. 14 times. He's, he's trying to draw our attention. There's something that he wants us to see. And what stood out to me really wasn't so much the occurrence of the word glory, but the occasion of glory that he's wanting to point his readers to. Now, if you don't know, remember I said, don't forget Moses, underline that. We're gonna come back to that. Paul is drawing and pointing his readers to a, an experience that happened back in Exodus, where Moses on Mount Sinai, he says to the Lord, you can read it for yourself in Exodus 33 and 34, he says to the Lord, show me your glory. Now, in this uh, passage, if you, if you check it out, in response, God says, hey, I'll, I'll show you my goodness, but understand, when I show it to you, you can't see me from the front. It would be too much for you. If you, if you saw my face, you wouldn't be able to live. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to put you behind a rock where there's a little crack. I'll, I'll, I'll cover you with my hand. When I pass by, I'll let you see me from behind. And God kept his promise. So Moses on Mount Sinai, he's behind a rock. God, the glory of God comes. His presence comes and passes by Moses. And as he's passing by, after he passes by, Moses, through this crack in a rock, he catches just a glimpse of the presence of God, the glory of God from behind. And it's so powerful that he immediately falls on his face and begins to worship. Now, just think about this. Like, this had to have been an incredible experience to see the manifest presence, personhood of God. To, to, to see, it was so powerful. Moses couldn't handle it. Just threw it through a crack in a rock. He immediately fell face down. And, and to really think about this, it's helpful to look at the passage. I want to read it to you in Exodus 34 to understand what Paul's talking about. Because in verse 29, it says, When Moses came down 
from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hand. He was not aware that his face was radiant, hashtag radiant, happening August 28th, because <laughs> those who look to the Lord are radiant. Their faces will never be covered in shame. Because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, they saw that his face was radiant, they were afraid to come near him. So just like seeing the presence of God was too much for Moses, he immediately had to fall face down. Moses, after seeing the presence of God, the glory of God, his face begins to radiate this glory. And it's too much for the Israelites. So they come up with a solution. They're freaked out about it. Verse 33, it says, When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with the Lord, he removed the veil until he came out. But then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord again. So this, this is the situation that Paul is referencing in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. What's interesting, though, is Paul gives us a different perspective, gives us a little different angle on what we just read about in Exodus, because what Paul tells us is that what started out with concern eventually became something used to conceal. Here's what I mean. When Moses came down from the mountain, his face was shining, radiating with the glory of God. It was too much for the Israelites to, to handle. It freaked them out, scared them. So in order to be an effective leader, he covered his face because he had things to say from God to them. He needed to be able to speak, so he covered his face so, so they could, could, could hear him and stand in his presence. But Moses knew that this glory would fade, that this glory would pass away. And so he says, you know what? I'll just leave the veil up a little bit longer. I know the glory is fading. They could actually, they, they, they could actually stand in front of me without me wearing the veil, but I, I want to leave it up because who wants to follow a leader whose glory is fading? Who wants to follow somebody who's not what they used to be. That's why Paul says in verse 13, we're not like Moses. He put a covering over his face so the Jews would not see that the bright light or the glory was passing away. And as I was meditating on this scripture this week, it hit me that covering is convenient. Covering is convenient. Now, understand, when I'm talking about covering... I'm not talking about these, all right? This is incredibly inconvenient, if you know the truth. I mean, I've yet to meet anybody who's like, you know, I really love these. Like, this is, this is awesome. Like, I can wear a hoodie. I can put it up. I feel like a ninja. It's, um, it's great. I've always wanted to be one. Or somebody's like, you know, I mean, the best part about this is smelling my own breath. Like, that is, especially after a pizza, garlic, coffee, this is amazing. Or, I haven't met somebody who's like, you know, the I, what I really like is I, I love, like, having a conversation and not being able to see the person in front of me because I'm fogging up my glasses. Like, that's what's great about No, th this is not convenient, right? I, I'm not talking about this. This is, this is inconvenient. But covering, covering is convenient. And even, you know, as much as I was making fun of this, like, there is an element where this is convenient, like, like I, I was talking to one of our team members last week, and because <laughs> everybody's wearing, if you're watching online, everybody's wearing masks 
here. It's what we do. It's what we have to do. And it's good. We're doing it. But I was talking to one of our team members. She's like, yeah, you know what? I didn't even put makeup on the bottom half of my face. Nobody's going to see it, you know? Just, it's convenient. Just, you know, do my eye makeup, whatever, you know, you girls do. Um, it's convenient. And I'm thinking, like, as I'm looking in the auditorium here, I'm wondering, like, you know, maybe, maybe there's some of you who didn't brush your teeth today. <laughs> it's convenient. <laughs> Quit pointing fingers, all right? Um, you know, may, maybe you've got a big zit on your chin. You're like, I'm wearing this mask all day. Like, it's, con- it's convenient. Or, you know, may- maybe you do have coffee breath. In that case, it's convenient for me. Thank you. Keep it on. The- the- there's an element where covering's convenient, but what starts with concern for others becomes convenient for me when there's things that I want to hide, when there's things that I don't want you to see. See, I'm... I'm not talking about these. I understand, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the mentalities that we try to mask. I'm talking about the heart issues that we wanna keep hidden. Covering is convenient. That's what Paul was saying. He says, look, they couldn't understand what Moses was doing when he covered his face, and the reason they couldn't understand is because They had masks over their minds, and they had masks over their hearts. Look, it's in verse 14. It says, their minds were not able to understand. Even to this day when the law is read, there is a covering over their minds. Verse 15, yes, to this day, there is a covering over their hearts. And see, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that COVID has us covered. COVID, COVID has us covered. See, the, the benefit of not letting people close is that I can hide what I don't want you to see. The, the, the benefit of keeping my distance is that you don't have to see that I'm not healthy under here. The, the, the benefit of covering up is you don't have to see the parts that I don't want to show. And so even though I started covering out of kindness, now I'm covering up to keep control. I'm I'm covering up because I got a porn addiction. I'm covering up because I've become lazy. I'm covering up because I don't remember the last time I read my Bible. I'm covering up because I've got a drug problem. I'm covering up because I drink too much. I'm covering up because my spending is out of control. I'm covering up because my, my mind is messed up. I'm not thinking right. I mean, I said I love Jesus. I was going to church before all this happened, but now I've developed some habits that aren't healthy, and I've got secrets that I don't want you to see. And the covering that was once out of concern, well, now it's become convenient, and it keeps us confined. It keeps us confined because what's designed to be the cure 
we've designated as the cause. Let, let me explain this to you. What's designed to be the cure is to uncover and live open and let Jesus in and let Jesus expose some of those places and to get in community. That's designed to be the cure. But we've designated it as the cause. Man, I can't let people see me like this. I can't let somebody know the truth. I, I, I can't let somebody know what I'm really thinking. I can't let somebody know what I'm really dealing with. I, I can't let anybody see these habits that I've formed. The problem is, what you keep concealed can't be healed. And what you keep hidden can't be helped. And as long as you keep it covered, you'll stay confined. So Paul says to move from this, to move from something that is passing, meaning it's causing you to waste away. It is fading. The glory is fading. To move from something that's passing to something permanent. To move from a mindset of fear to faith. You've got to take off the old covering and move to a new covenant. You've got to move from glory to glory. See, even though Paul's using the same words here, glory to glory, he's talking about two separate things. He's talking about this way that we approach God. Because the problem with the Corinthian church is they had fallen into some old patterns and old habits. And the trap that they had fallen into is the same problem that we often fall into when it comes to our faith. Which is, we think we approach God and relate to God and God responds to us from our goodness, right? As long as I'm doing right, God's gonna treat me right. As long as I'm doing good, God's gonna be good. You know, that's exactly what the law was. Do this, don't do that. Live this way, don't live that way. Do the right things, don't do the wrong things. The only problem is none of us could ever do enough right things and do the right things perfectly. Try, but we fail. We do good for a little while, but we get tripped up. We have all the right intentions, but our actions tell a different story. And it keeps us at a distance. And it keeps us covered. And it keeps us from seeing what God wants us to see. And we live with this weight that keeps us immobilized. And what's interesting is, the Hebrew word for glory literally means weight. It's the exact same word. Glory is weight. Like, like the glory of God is like the, his weightiness, you know, his, his presence. It's weight. Well, when God gave the commandments to Moses, they were weighty. He, he gave them to Moses in a glorious way. I mean, he spoke and he wrote with his finger. and It, it was a glorious experience. It was a weighty experience. I mean, the law was weighty. I mean, it's literally written on stone tablets. There was a weight to it. It was a glorious covenant, but its weight was impossible to uphold. Not because there's something wrong with God, because there's something wrong with us. It's called sin. It's called our sin nature. Whenever we try and solve our problems on our own, we'll always fall short. We'll always miss the mark. And what we end up doing, because we fall short, we try to cover it because we always want to shroud what we don't want to show. 
So Paul, he gives some hope. He says, look, you can't change this on your own. Only Christ can take the covering away. Only Christ can do this. And then he uses this analogy. It's really interesting, this, this illustration. He says, if you want to take off the mask, you got to look in the mirror. He says, all of us beholding the glory of God like in a mirror. If you, if you want to take this off, you got to, you got to look in the mirror. Now, that's a good-looking guy. It's interesting because, you know, I forgot I had this on. Part of it is because I'm not looking at myself before I come up here. Put it down around my neck. Forgot I was wearing it. But he uses this analogy of looking in a mirror. And I wonder if maybe we've been covered up so long that we've forgotten that like a mirror, we're supposed to be a reflection of God's glory. That, that You see, this mirror is a reminder that what we take in, we're supposed to give out. That, that, that's what's powerful about the mirror. I, I got to reflect God's glory out. See, I can't do that if I'm just thinking about myself. I can't do that if I'm just looking inward. I can't do that if I'm just thinking about my preferences and what's easy and what's convenient and what I want and if this works for me or not. I can't do it if I'm just thinking inward. The thing about a mirror is it only takes something in to reflect it out. It only takes light in and image in so it can project it out. And, I, and that's why it's so important in this season that you find a way to contribute. Absolutely essential. Absolutely vital to your health, to your well-being, to your spiritual well-being, to your mental well-being, that you find a way to contribute. When you just start taking things in and not letting anything out, it becomes toxic. We're supposed to take things in to reflect God's glory out. Can I tell you, you need to find a way to contribute to the mission of the local church. You got, you got to find a way to contribute to what God is doing on this earth, to make a difference. You, you got to find, and if you don't know where to start, man, the best place to start, it's a growth track. really is. If you've never been, that's your starting place. Start there. If you've already been through growth track, get in a group. If you've never joined a group, that, that's a good starting place to get in a group. If you've been through both of those things, maybe, maybe this is the season that you lead a group when groups start up. In about a month, maybe that's your next step. Can I be real bold? Can I tell you, if you're not, you need to be trusting God with giving. You need to trust God with the tithe, which is the first and best, the, the first 10%. You need to do that. I, I'm not telling you this to get something from me. I'm telling you this because I want your heart free. I want you to live free. Paul said where the spirit of the Lord is, the heart is free. I want your heart free. I want your mind free. I want free from the shackles of what's going to happen next and how are we going to get through this and I don't know if I can keep going. Find a way to contribute. Invite somebody. In invite a friend to church. If you have a home, host a watch party. Register to come to, to one of our gatherings on Sunday, our limited capacity gatherings. Find a way to contribute. Invite somebody with you. You got to do this to get your heart free because you can't do it as long as you stay covered. Paul, Paul said, 
It's with no covering on our faces. Using an analogy here, that we show the shining greatness of the Lord like a mirror. We've got to reflect it out. Paul said you've got to live uncovered. I like how, again, how it says it in the New King James. He says, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're being changed, transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Here's what I saw that we become what we behold. It's a problem with my daughter, right? She's, she's watching Jojo Siwa. That's why she's like got duck lips and peace signs and big bows 24-7 day. It's what she's beholding. I tried casting that demon out. It doesn't work. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, apparently. But we become what we behold. And some of us, we're, we're wondering, man, why am I feeling so anxious? Why, why am I, I feeling so bitter, so angry? Why am I so worried? Why am I so depressed? It's because we become what we behold. You're, you're feeding on social media all the time. That's why they, they call it a feed, a social media feed. That, that's what you're, you're feeding on. And if I look, if I look in the mirror, but I keep this covered, then everything that I reflect, I just see more opportunity to, to reflect it, to project it, to protect it. That's why I gotta look in the mirror with an uncovered face. That's why I gotta find a way to take things in so I can give it out. I'm here to reflect God's glory. I'm here to give God glory. Every single one of us, one day, we are going to stand before the Lord and he is gonna say, what did you do with what I've given you? What did you do to make a difference? What did you do to tell people about Jesus? What did you do to advance my kingdom on the earth? What did you do with the opportunities and the gifts I gave you? And can I tell you what you don't wanna say? So I kept it covered, I kept it hidden. You know, we say this phrase lots of times, give God glory, give, give glory to God. You might hear the pastor say it, hear the worship leader say it. When we say that, what we usually mean is, you know, respond or, or act in a way that gives honor to Jesus, that points to Jesus, or, you know, that worships Jesus. And that's good, that's right, that's appropriate. I read something this week, though, that in my study it stuck out to me. That, that that phrase, give glory to God, give God glory, it originally started out as a Hebrew idiom. It was this expression that they would say. They would say it whenever they would tell you, hey, tell the truth, confess the truth, give God glory, confess the truth. In fact, you see an example of this, you wanna look it up for yourself in John chapter nine, I think it's verse 24. There's this blind man, Jesus heals, and caused an uproar, they didn't believe him, and they said, give glory to God. We know this guy's an imposter talking about Jesus. Confess the truth. And I just felt strongly in my spirit that that's how I wanted to end this worship experience, is to give you an opportunity to give glory to God. 
to confess the truth, to tell the truth. Some of you, you've been hiding some stuff in your heart that is unhealthy. You've been hiding some stuff that is keeping you from where God wants to move you to, from glory, something that's passing to glory, something that can't be taken away. The truth is, you might hide it. Jesus said this, he said this in Luke chapter eight, verse 17, that nothing is concealed that won't be revealed and nothing is hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. So you can hide it, but the truth does come out. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching at Velocity. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on more great messages just like this one. If today's message impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others with the message of Jesus, go to findvelocity.org backslash give and you can partner with us financially. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing week, Velocity. And remember, wherever you are, just keep moving forward.